Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is Book Talk with Fran Lewis Brought to you by MJ Network MJ and Mary, my sister Marsha Joyce And we have the author of A Deadly Wilderness here. Oh, my God, you've got to read this book. A frantic anonymous crisis center hotline call propels counselor Susanna Martinez Acosta smack into the center of a murder investigation in a homicide detective's arms, exactly where she doesn't want to be. Following the tragic death of her husband, she struggled to build a safe haven for herself and her son. That new world just hit the rocks and the persistent detectives with dangerous jobs. So this is really scary. Good morning, and have welcome to MJ Network. Oh, good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. So what is the background? Give us a little bit um, summary of the, of the story. And what is the background between Raymond and Deborah? Well, Raymond is a, a character that I love. Uh, yeah. He kind of walked into to my book writing um fully formed. He is um, uh, basically a cowboy from East Texas who's now a homicide mm-hmm. detective in San Antonio. Um, he's one of those, um, he's one of the good guys. And, um, you know, you always hear about, you know, good guys finish last. Well, Ray is just not like that. He's uh, he's a real go-getter and he wants to do the right thing. And um, it was, I actually wrote him as a secondary character in another book, uh, but he kept taking mm-hmm. over scenes. So I was like, well, you know, Ray has to have his own story. So A Deadly Wilderness is that story. Um, Suzanne is, um, she's a complicated woman. Uh, she uh, was married to a firefighter who, mm-hmm. who died on the job. And so she is um, very um concerned about creating a, a safe space for her son and she doesn't want to get involved in any relationships that would possibly put herself and her son through a similar situation so she's although she has feelings for Ray she's keeping him at arm's length because she doesn't want uh, to ever go through anything like she she did with her husband again um, so it's a it's a complicated situation, but they're thrown together in a deadly wilderness because of uh, a situation that occurs. She works at um, a hotline and um, gets a call from a woman who's very upset, mm-hmm. and that um, propels her into the center of an investigation that Ray is doing uh, concerning a body that he found in uh, while taking a hike with her son. And so, um, you know, things sort of spiral out of control from there, and it's uh, it's quite the the journey for both of them. Well, how does the prologue? I couldn't put it down after I put set the prologue, set the stage for the events to come, and why a ravine? That's original. I'll tell you that. 
Um, you know, it was um, a situation where, you know, things developed. Um, I, I, I have to say this. I, I don't uh, plot out my books in advance, so mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen when I start. In this case, I know who the bad guy is, and I knew I know how mm-hmm. the story is going to end, but I don't know how things are going to happen in between. But I wanted uh, Ray and Marco, uh, Suzanne's son, to be together uh, doing something that would put um, him in, uh, in a situation that uh, really that, uh, concerns Suzanne, that makes her not want to uh, be, not want to trust Ray with um, her son. Uh, and so, that, you know, they're out hiking. She's allowed him to spend time with uh, Marco because he needs a, a male figure in his life. And um, mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, I, I wanted uh, to introduce uh, the villain, Lalo, to, to my readers as quickly as possible. I wanted them to know what uh, Ray was up against. And um, so this, uh, and it, part of, you know, picking Frederick Wilderness Park and this uh, situation that occurs with the, the fall um, was that I, I at the time worked for uh, the, the San Antonio Parks and Recreation Department as a public relations manager, and I did that for 20 years. And, and I always mm. thought that the parks would be a great place <laughs> for to hide a body, and, um, you know, especially in a wilderness park where it's very um, – some areas of the park are remote and not, there aren't a lot of people around. And so I thought this would just be a great place to to start a story off and, and get things started um, at a run. You know, just get readers into the situation immediately, introduce them to the the villain and to the protagonist just very quickly and get them hooked. Well, it did, but I felt so bad for Ray. To be honest, oh, I felt I bad for him. <laughs> Well, that's good because you know, to to me, when I read books, I want to have, uh, I I want to root for the, the good guy. I want to have a character I can care about. I'm not really interested in adventure stories where there's no character development, and it's it's really important to me that readers care about what happens to the characters in my books. I did because I've read a few the last couple of days that I had to say, why am I reviewing it seriously? And oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah, well, my problem is this. I don't ever write a negative review, ever. I won't. But if a book is not worth three, three and a half stars, I won't review it. I'll just write a summary. Because I don't believe in panning people's work. Because people work hard. Maybe I don't like it, but somebody else might. Exactly. I I always just tell people it's not my cup of tea. (laughs) I try very hard not to. I, I know how hard it is to write a book, so I would never write a negative review. Um, for another author that just would be uh, disrespectful of their time tell me about it I received a few on my last tour with Parton yeah, yeah. Oh, I got yeah. a I got yeah. a couple of really not very nice people and they realized it but you know what can I do and yeah. I just said you, they didn't understand that they write from the point of view of the dead body behind the gravestone and I guess they didn't understand why I wrote it but I don't care. Um, yeah, you, so really, what you have to have a thick skin in this business. <laughs> I have to have a thick skin for a lot of things. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, well, we all. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> it's it's scary. <laughs> so yeah. when we and they and they the poor guy the poor kids hit upon this this thing in the ravine 
what happens when they find it, and what are the steps taken to get help? Because that wasn't easy. No, it, it wasn't. Um, but uh, fortunately, Ray had um, felt um, had a signal on his, his phone and was able to call for help. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get in too much into, no, into the details and you know, in in the uh, spoil things for readers. But um, part of um, when I was um, working as a public relations manager as a sideline, I proofread court uh, transcripts for district court uh, court reporters, and so I had a lot of information that I learned and gathered over the the time that I was doing that. I even did some capital murder trials. Um, so I learned a lot of details about mm. how crime scenes are um, mm. investigated and how uh, off police officers uh, investigate and all those things. So I tried to incorporate those details into what what would they do if, um, you know, this uh, police officer discovered a body, um, what would be the next steps? And um, use those to give authentic detail to the book. Um, you know, sometimes it reads like a police procedural. Uh, I try not to get too, you know, detailed so it would, you know, get boring. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure that um, that it was accurate in the way it was handled. And, and I think that it was. You know, they were able to get, you know, the crime scene investigators out there mm. to do the work that they need to do. You're lucky. I, I'm reading, um, it's not out yet, Betrayal by Philip Margolin. And if you didn't know how to, if I didn't know how to run, a case and how to t- identify whatever and how to do it in court and what you're supposed to do, I would know now. That's how detailed yeah. and accurate. Well, he's a criminal defense attorney, but I just yeah. think, my God, if I had to write it, I probably would ask him for permission just to follow his procedure. Yeah. You know, just you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, I see that like um, in, there's some well-known authors yeah. who are lawyers. Um, you know, and so mm. um, I, I, you can really tell in those. I, I wrote another book later uh, where the heroine of the story is a court reporter, and I was able to use all the things that I learned from being a, a, a proofreader for a court reporter and interview one about how they do their work and that sort of thing. And, and it's um, having that kind of detail is really uh, mm-hmm. uh, important. So how is the body identified, and who is it? Um, well, like I said, I don't want to give away too much no. uh, to readers, uh, but, um, you know, they they find some uh, evidence on the body that helps them to, um, to discover who he is, and um, it's, uh, they're able to, partly because this, uh, victim has uh, a criminal record mm. they're able to discover who he is and and that uh, that really sets that reach the chain of uh, events into uh, into um, i don't know what the word is it, it gets everything rolling um, and so once they know who he is then they can go to um, and that really plays a, a huge role in the story because um you know, they, you have to deal with the political implications when somebody is from a family that is well-known mm-hmm. and uh, well-positioned politically and all of that. You know, I working for the city of San Antonio, I was very aware of what the politics are um, mm-hmm. that uh, are involved in all aspects of 
life. Uh, you just you can't get away with. I mean, you know, police officers work for the city, um, and so they essentially work for the mayor and the other politicians who are in charge. Oh, I believe that, and I'm learning that. I can't say on the or how, but I'm learning that the hard way. <laughs> who, seriously, who, who are Kevin, Emily, Sarah, and Elaine? And tell us about the parents. I know that the kid was, was from a very wealthy family, and sometimes the police handle cases like that faster than anybody else. Yeah. Well, and and they try not to, and that's one of the things I I try to emphasize yeah. with um, for Ray's character. It's a huge conflict because he mm. treat you know he cares about every victim, uh, and you know it doesn't matter what who they are in terms of uh, economics or class, if you if you will. You know we think we say yeah. we don't have class here, but but you know sometimes we do. Uh, and so um, these um, Kevin and Emily and Sarah and Elaine um, are uh, are victims' uh, siblings, and they're part of a family that is well-to-do in San Antonio. And they use a lot of their wealth. Uh, they own several car dealerships. They use it. Uh, in, uh, the his father is a philanthropist, and so um, he. But he also gives money to political campaigns, so that comes around uh, to, you know, bear, put, to put pressure on uh, the city manager and the mayor who then put pressure on the chief of police who in turn and it rolls down the, 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 um, the into the ranks where there's a lot of pressure on Ray and Deborah to solve this crime quickly uh, and t- at the same time not to um, cause any problems for this family. Um, you know, so it's it just adds a layer of difficulty to the situation. Is you know they're trying to to find out who murdered their the mm. you know their son, uh, and yet the family seems to be a stumbling block because they're very private, and they don't want anybody to know the difficulties and the you know they don't want people to know that they have problems. Yeah, well, they don't want to cooperate either. I know. That makes it even harder, yeah. and all they're trying to do is find out who did it. Now we come to somebody's yeah. poor thing, and I know how this feels. Tell us about Melody and why she thought that she wasn't worthy of the family. Why didn't they think that she was anything? And tell us our account of Joey. I mean, really, I felt there was mixed mixed views about each one of them, but I felt like, you know, just because she didn't come from a right kind of family or whatever, they didn't like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really got a raw deal. Uh, she was trying I to know. be a good, uh, good wife, and um, she was a, she uh, was a UTSA student at the University of Texas at San Antonio, uh, and she uh, married um, uh, Joey, and you know tried to do her best uh, to be a good mm-hmm. wife and play the role that he wanted her to play. And the, but because of their uh, social status, they you know went to a lot of parties and, you know, all these, you know, all these, uh, uh, without saying specifically which ones, um, you know, uh, philanthropical organizations that they had to put up a a front of being uh, very happy and happy to be there. And it really wasn't the sort of thing that she enjoyed doing, but she did it because that's what was expected of her. And she never lived up to their expectations, especially uh, Joey's mom, uh, mm. She wanted her to be um, more uh, adept socially, and that's just what, that wasn't her background. She came from a working class family, so she didn't, um, she couldn't 
put on the show that she was expected to put on. Uh, it wasn't enough that she was a good mother to their children um, mm-hmm. uh, and that she was trying. And so she always felt like, uh, you know, a second-class citizen. And, and the fact that they were living with their parents, um, you know, he was not a – he was a person who thought he was going to be a lot more successful than he actually was. Um, he had a lot of uh, – projects that he was working on that he was sure were going to make him rich and they just never materialized. And so, um, you know, even at that stage of his life, they were still living with her in-laws, which was very uncomfortable. That I know. I know that there are a lot of people that judge you by your bank account and where you come from. Because I came from a working class family and sometimes people look at you and say like, so what? I, I was an educator, and even that wasn't high enough for some people. I go, whatever. You just, yeah. you just, um, are you just nothing more parent, important like, than educating our children. <laughs> right, exactly. Trust me, I did it for a long time, and um, the, you know what the biggest honor is? Is that my students, they're not that much younger than me, are on Facebook, and when yeah. I put something on, they said, if it wasn't for you, we'd all be in jail. For real. Isn't that amazing? That's the, truly the reward for uh, yes. having really been in the trenches teaching, uh, is knowing that your students are uh, productive citizens because of the work that you did. Uh, yeah, they did. They they keep reminding me because they were tough. They were taught in a tough school yeah. in the Bronx, and, I, and I'm little, and they looked oh, at me, goodness. and they said, we still wouldn't start with you. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So what happens when Deborah shows up, and why is there tension? And why does she come on to so many? I love her. Uh, you know, it, that's kind of getting into the backstory of Deborah. She is a, a, a difficult uh, person because of the mm-hmm. circumstances of her, her childhood and growing up and the things that happened to her. Um, and she's, you know, partnered with Ray, who she truly likes and appreciates, but she doesn't want to admit it because she's annoyed by the fact that he's he has his Christian faith that he relies on mm-hmm. in all things. And she can't understand that because she's been so disappointed, by, you know, and been treated badly by people who should have loved her and treated her better. Uh, and so she's very cynical. Uh, and, and she uh, has, in trying to, to, to deal with uh, the things that happened to her uh, growing up, she has fallen into using alcohol as a crutch. And Ray knows mm. that, and he's trying to get her to stop. He's trying to get her to get help, and she doesn't She doesn't want – she's not at that point yet where she can recognize that that's what she needs to do, and she would rather be at odds with him. And so she gives him a really hard time about his faith and calls him Bible boy and, you know, is generally disrespectful. Uh, and all of that comes out of some unresolved issues that she needs to uh, to get at and get help for so that she can uh, trust other people with her true feelings. Um, so, she, yeah, she's she's a difficult one. I can understand what she's saying, though. A lot of times something really horrible happens and you don't want to face the fact that it's affecting so mm. many things. So, yeah, Absolutely. So tell us about, see, I didn't like her. I got annoyed because he didn't do this to Marco and Benny on purpose. So uh, why does Susanna want to keep him away? And he didn't actually do anything that hurt them. He just happened, they just happened to fall on something. Yeah. But they didn't get hurt. 
it, it's, you know, it's an excuse. It, it's sort of, you know, he, you know, Marcos could have been hurt much worse than he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, uh, he's been touched by this ugly crime and she wants, she's, it's like fulfilling her worry that he's going to get hurt, um, that, mm-hmm. and, and that Ray's job is very dangerous. And she doesn't want um, Marco to go through what he went through with his his father's death again. And so she sees this happen and mm. says, okay, here's my opening to say, I'm not going to do this. I, yes, I, I like you, and I, you know, but I, I can't do it for my son's sake. I need to keep him safe. So, you know, it's it's a reaction to the the situation that she went through with her husband and she unresolved issues that she needs to she's afraid to take a chance again it's all it's all fear uh, uh-huh. you know and, and so she has to to deal with that fear before they can have any kind of relationship now this part really got me i really like this um sort of they decided to close the park and the character that came into it for whatever reason was the park ranger was Teresa, so mm-hmm. why did she decide to go and why does he go out with her? I thought that was really clever yeah. and different <laughs> well um, <laughs> you know I, I think Ray had good intentions he really wanted um, yeah. to um it, it, he, for one thing, he wanted to encourage Teresa she park you know it's it's another political situation that um, people who are, you know, close to or in uh, city government here would not, not understand. Park rangers were really treated like uh, second, they actually call them park police here, um, are second-class citizens. They don't have to have as much uh, training and they don't get paid nearly as well because they're not part of a union. In San Antonio, there's a police union that gets mm-hmm. them really lucrative contracts and they get paid really well uh, for doing a very dangerous job. In a city, you know, with 1.3 million people, um, you know, there's just a lot of crime. Um, but she is want, she wants more. She wants to do more, and that's why she does interviews and she tries to. to she wants to be part of the investigation mm. because the, this event happened in a park, which makes it her purview. But park police mm. don't in, don't investigate homicides. The police do. Uh, and so, and and it becomes apparent that she's got a crush on on Ray. She really likes him, and so he, in reaction to uh, Suzanne's decision to um, to push him away, he's like, okay, mm. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna go out with Teresa, and I'm gonna try to focus focus away from uh, Susanna. But then, of uh, Suzanne, and then of course, you know, they go to this. Uh, um, event uh, for the um, unwed mother's home, and she's mm. there, uh, and so that just creates a, a whole new situation, and um, it uh, makes him recognize that it doesn't matter if he goes out with someone else; he's still in love with Suzanne. So, and poor Teresa is, um, you know, caught in the middle. Uh, I tell my niece is going for criminal justice, so she's learning all these things because I'm telling her what to read. And <laughs> yeah, she's an she's a four point like her aunt, but she really loves oh doing God. it. And I go like, you know, Katie, this is great. 
So what about the decision, I don't blame him, about the ministry? What are Susanna's feelings, and who is Javier? Because Susanna seems to feel that he should that he should become a minister. Give me a break. Well, he that's the thing. He he is considering it. Uh, yeah. He's already he had he had already uh, uh, sent for materials and he had the materials and was looking through them. Um, but he knows that he can't change professions uh, for, because of his feelings for Susanna. It has to be because mm. he truly wants to be a pastor. You know that that's his calling. And so he's really struggling with that. And Suzanne knows that intellectually, but emotionally she wants, she thinks if he had a different um, career, you know, if he got away from being a homicide detective, then it would be easier for them to be together and she wouldn't have to worry so much. Uh, You know, it's something that he's uh, struggling with. uh, But she also has to recognize that he became a homicide detective for a reason, and that that's what he, um, I don't know, I wouldn't use the word enjoys doing, but that, that he's still called to do, and he's good at it, should he uh, change careers in order to be with her, you know, and, you know, is that selfish? Uh, is it worth it? You know, there's just so many issues that they'd have to resolve in order mm. to, uh, to ultimately make that decision, and I think Ray knows uh, full well that he can't just, you know, become a pastor because it's safer, um, and so they they just have to to work those feelings out. And Javier was is her her husband that died. Mm. Um, yeah, and so um, yeah, you know that's why she, you know, she has to get uh, work through her feelings of of having lost the love of her life. You know that she thought she would always be married to, uh, and starting over is just very very hard. I think anybody who and the interesting thing, uh, too, is that Ray was married before as well, and his wife died of cancer. And he's been through that, so he understands how she feels. Um, they're, you know, she's a, a, a widow and he's a widower, but he has worked through those feelings and is ready to have a new relationship. Um, and he doesn't have a child that he has to think about. Um, and how those relationships are going to impact on the, on the, uh, you know, Suzanne's child. Now, now it gets a little bit more complicated. I want to put this in front of me so I could see. Marcus is attached to Ray. Then they're attacked. And then this creates fear and tension. And then all of a sudden everything sort of like is blowing up. So who is Samuel? And they're always catering to the Doyles. They're afraid of them. Well, Samuel uh, has a dual role, and it's funny yeah. because uh, I actually wrote uh, a book before this that wasn't published where Samuel was the main character, and Ray was his, um, you know, his partner, and so he was a secondary character, and the book that was that ended up getting published was Ray's story, but Samuel is uh, Suzanne's um, uh, brother. And so mm. he has a personal relationship to her, and he's very concerned about protecting her and making sure mm-hmm. uh, that she doesn't get hurt again, both uh, both emotionally and physically. And he also knows how uh, dangerous uh, being a, uh, a homicide detective, being a police officer is. So he's got a front row seat to this. He's raised boss. Um, and he's getting all this pressure from the chief of police. He's getting pressure from the city manager and the mayor. Um, to solve this case without uh, stepping on the Doyle's toes. 
uh, because they are campaign con- uh, contributors. Uh, and so it's not that Samuel wants to cater to the Doyles. He wants to solve the case and move yeah, on. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, but he's under a tremendous amount of pressure from, uh, you know, the higher-ups. Uh, and they're, they are catering to the Doyles because of the funds that they make available to help with political campaigns. Well, we didn't go to him yet. How does the killer find Vicky and tell us about her? And why doesn't anybody protect her? And the other guy was Tommy Wheeler, because he's up right. to something. <laughs> yes, he is. Vicky <laughs> uh, yep. is a, a park naturalist. Um, and she, like I said before, I don't want to get into too many details. No. Um, but uh, she works at the park, and she has some information that makes her um, uh, dangerous to the people who are behind uh, 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 Joey Doyle's death, his murder. And so she um, is in a precarious situation, and I think she knows it, um, but she stays home because she's she's very upset uh, about what she knows, and she's she's sick, and she... um, tries to avoid uh, in, anybody knowing where what she's uh, what she knows uh, and so she's um, uh, it becomes a situation where um, she has to be eliminated uh, so without getting too much uh, into what yeah. happens uh, she you know it's a critical piece of the uh, investigation that um, has to be made and um, doesn't have a great ending. <laughs> as far no, as none of it does. Goes, none of it does. Yeah. And I felt bad because well, Tom, Tommy, you know, you can't trust these people. But yet, you know, how does a killer, seriously, I mean, I'm reading, I've read like thousands of books. How does the killer able to, some, I know that sometimes they're able to track them. Um, sometimes they're not able to track them. Sometimes they have some kind of app or they use their cell phone, whatever. I watch true crime a yeah. lot. <laughs> I watch a lot of uh, crime stories, too. I love watching true crime, and I'm learning a lot, of, especially secrets uncovered, but my favorite is murder-suicide or, or uh, murder-accident or suicide or murder in the Highland. I love those. So Yeah, yeah. So well, how did you, it, you cre- know, it, how do you how do you create a scene like that? It's um, you know it's unfortunately our private information is not private. Uh, yeah. It is ri- ridiculously easy for um, people to find out where you live, yep. uh, and so you know there are num- number a, a number of ways that someone can um, access your information, mm-hmm. especially if you're a criminal. <laughs> so. Um, it's you know they they tell us to be careful with our uh, identity and we just don't do it you know um, I don't think it was ever difficult for Lalo to find any of the of the people that he needed to find uh, and he had resources available to him uh, through the the parties that hired him uh, to do I think you know Lalo is such an interesting character to me I have a really good time writing villains. Um, it, which, you know, I'm a, a, a 65-year-old grandma, but I 
just uh, enjoy writing the villains. And he um, he's a very smart, educated man. Um, you would never expect him to do, you know to be a paid assassin, um, but he he just uses the, uh, the tools that are available to just about everybody uh, to track these folks down. Um, and and he enjoys doing it. Uh, he really likes his work. He likes his job. So um, it was not hard for him to find uh, them. And uh, Tony we- or Tommy Wheeler is uh, and is not a, a a very smart man. And he's um, basically a freeloader who is mm. um, taking advantage of his of his girlfriend. Um, he's says he's a student and studying cinematography, but he's enrolled in a couple of classes and he's working part-time at a camera accessory store. So um, he makes it uh, easy. He's an easy target. Um, And so, uh, you know, Lalo is a very smart, educated man. He has no problem tracking these folks down. Um, And uh, the reader will discover why that's important and, um, the impact that has on the investigation as they go along. Yeah, I'll tell you, this is like so amazing. I try to get my stuff off of Google. That's what I'm trying to do. Because I Google myself and I'm going like, I didn't even realize in so many places. For real. (laughs) And and what really got me was about a month, two weeks ago, a girl emailed me. I don't know how she got my email address. And she said, would you... Uh, would you interview me? Not interview. Would you review my book? And I said, "Who are you? And how did you find me?" She said, "Whether you know it, you were on the um, book reviewers. Uh, you were on the yellow pages of book reviewers." I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I said, "Yeah, somebody must there. have put me there." And she said, well, "A lot of people. I don't know. People don't. Um, people." Think they people, do, uh, especially who are on social media, you have no um, expectation of privacy when you're on social media. Yeah, Everything. You know, people say, "Oh, don't you know? Don't you know? Do this. You know, don't put this out there." Every once you're on social media, you're everywhere. Um, and I, you know, I don't put my personal address uh, on things, but I never um, do either. You know, I don't know if you heard a few years ago there was an app called Foursquare. And you could mm-hmm. check in wherever you, you could check in wherever you were. If you were at the grocery store, you could check in. Yep. And I'm at you know the grocery store. Well, basically, that was women telling everybody where they are. Um, and it just to me, it was like, don't you see the the danger in that? Um, mm. it, you know, you don't want to advertise to the world. It's the same thing with uh, uh, picture, uh, taking pictures of your vacation, and you're telling people that you're not at home. You know, so, that's right. Um, it's, it's you know, it's the world we live in, and it makes things a lot easier for criminals, unfortunately. Um, you know, and I, I um, certainly, uh, even if you're, you know, police, I think police officers will tell you that a lot of criminals are not very smart, but they get away with a lot because people don't. People are trusting, and mm-hmm. they don't. And people think that bad things happen to other people. Uh, and I, you know, for personal, know from personal experience, that's just not true. <laughs> you know, bad things happen to people. I know that too, yeah. It happens to everybody. So you have to be diligent about your own safety. Uh, and uh, Lala just takes uh, uh, advantage of the fact that the people that he needs to find are 
uh, oblivious to the fact that they're being hunted. It's scary. I dated a police officer, and he stalked me. It was horrible. Uh, well, and he, he would have access to so much information. Yeah, um, he did. You know, he did until I called those, his boss. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they took it seriously. Uh, because yeah. sometimes, uh, you know, women who are being stalked have trouble getting people to, to take them seriously. So who is Milt? Why is Milt in danger? Who's Candace? And what does he learn from her? Then we've got to get you, Joey. Um, uh, Milt is the, the patriarch. He's the, the father of, of, yeah. of the Doyle family. I don't like him at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he and Kevin are not likable people. <laughs> Um, no, it, and, and neither is Elaine. Really, um, the, the Doyles have had uh, too much. Uh, uh, people have, uh, you know, stepped to. Uh, I don't even know what you call it. They they bow down to them too much. Mm. They've been taken. Um, they take themselves too seriously and their their status too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but Milt knows something that he doesn't realize he knows. And so he uh, he becomes a target as a, a pawn in a game that the people mm. who hired um, uh, Lalo are using him to force uh, another member of the family to do something. Uh, and so that will play out uh, as, as uh, Ray is doing this investigation and gets closer to the truth. Uh, Milt will become an important uh, pawn in this uh, game that's going on uh, with these criminals who are uh, who hired Lala uh, to take care of a situation and it just it it spirals and one one situation leads to another and they just have to keep mopping Mm -hmm. up as what they consider to be loose ends Um, and uh, you asked me about Candy Uh, yeah Candy is a, a receptionist at one of the the dealers at one of the dealerships mm-hmm. that are owned by the Doyle family, uh, and she's a very uh, sweet woman uh, who finds herself doing something that she shouldn't have done, and mm-hmm. it comes back to really bite her. Um, she she made the mistake of caring about Joey and uh, mm-hmm. just not understanding what uh, what a that he was a person that cannot be relied on. And, and of course, you know, what she does is, is uh, inexcusable from, uh, from many perspectives, uh, but, but I can't help feel, feeling sorry for her. She's a, a nice person who does a bad thing, uh, and uh, it cost her dearly. Um, she, was, uh, she thought that uh, things were going to turn out differently, and she didn't take into account that, Joey was just a person who was full of a lot of hot air. He he mm-hmm. thought he was going to make this, you know, this big. He was going to take over these dealerships and become rich and run the family. And uh, quite, uh, I think everybody who knew him, uh, who truly knew him, knew that was never going to happen. And she fell for him uh, far far too far. <laughs> well, before I forget, on Tuesday, the twenty seventh. Uh, will be the last one for June until August. Joe, Joe Day Milmilm will be here with the empty kayak. What a great story. And what a better way to start August than with New York Times author John Dobbin, Deadly Depth, 
On the 8th, Dr. Gavudo and a friend are going to talk about the science of reading and whatever else he tells me I'm going to talk about. He makes up the agenda, not me. On the 10th, the author of Hidden Pieces. And on the 17th, none other than New York Times author Brian Freeman with Born Defiance, his new Jason Bourne. And that's just some of August. September gets even better with Tess Gerenson. And we've got a whole lot more all the way until Lisa Malice in December. This girl is busy. So, wow, wow what a lineup. That's what, that's, that's what they tell me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I never expected exciting. to be doing this, but my sister suggested it, and that's why the network is named after her. So, cool. what about his kids, and who will get them, and what happens to Ray that puts him in danger? I felt so bad. I got worried about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, the kids uh, are, are, are going to be okay. It's, I mean, you know, obviously what happens is very traumatic. And they will need uh, lots of help in dealing yeah. with it uh, without getting into the details. I um, suspect that there will be a lot of wrangling and legal shenanigans that go on uh, mm-hmm. in determining what will happen with them. But I like to believe that ultimately good will win out and um, Melody's parents will become uh, the important people in the lives of, of these two kids. Um, and what was the other question? So what happens when oh, they get the killer gets near Ray? I said, Oh no, not 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 Ray. <laughs> well, he that. is good. Yeah, he is good at his job, and he uh, just keeps at it. And uh, you you find that so much of the police work is in the details, and he's very uh, diligent about uh, going through records, going through. Uh, phone records, financial records, things that have to be uh, received. They have to go with to get warrants to, to get this information, and he does all of the right things. He's a, a very diligent, dedicated detective, and so I think readers who watch TV may think, well, gosh, does it really? can you really do that? Uh, it, they make it seem like it happens really fast in uh, on TV. You know, everything has to be resolved in an hour. Uh, but you you can't you really have to dig through things and and that's what he does. Uh, unfortunately, Deborah kind of leaves him out there and alerts and goes off and does her thing. And so he's going through all these records and he discovers something that that, that turns him in the right direction in trying to understand what's going on that these people are being killed. Uh, and so when he goes to investigate, uh, he goes on his own, which. It's never a good idea. It's certainly, um, yeah. uh, you know, he should have taken back up. Um, but without getting into any of the details, he puts himself in a, a very serious situation uh, that that uh, could be deadly. And that's where we get back to that whole um, concept of a deadly wilderness that he uh, has to, to defend himself uh, in a situation where we're just not sure that he's going to survive. Well, just so I don't forget to tell you, your review was posted. I sent it to Gina on Just so Reviews. Good. Yes, I think I outdid myself, I hope. Okay, <laughs> and, good. And I'm waiting for Amazon. Amazon gets to be on my nerves sometimes because I posted your review on Amazon with five stars about two hours ago. And I'm waiting for uh. them to say thank you for reviewing the book. Mm-hmm. And 
sometimes they just, you know, think, oh, you didn't do the guideline. Yes, I did. You're lucky I have a <laughs> for you. I mean, seriously. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard I that think... from more than one reviewer, that it, it takes time sometimes, and they can be finicky, so you just have to grit your teeth. Yeah, well, I think the worst thing that happened was about two weeks ago, I won't say which book tour it was, I wrote a review that was really fantastic, but I didn't realize that I spelled one of the t- characters' names wrong. It should have oh. been an A-N instead of an E-M. And I, I, you know what? You just tell me and I'll fix it. What's the big deal? Everybody makes mistakes. And the person said, do you have a visual impairment that you need to have print? I said, I'm not going to review with you anymore. I made a mistake in the characters. I'm not going to fix it. And I'm going to delete the review when I did. Yeah, I I really, really appreciate it. I try to tell every... A uh, reviewer that reviews a book for for uh, for me, how much I appreciate them taking the time yeah. to read to read the book, to, to read it and to write a review and to post it. That you know that takes up your time, and I I appreciate it, and I would never um, complain about those things uh, because uh, I, I readers or writers need those reviews to continue to to get contracts, and it, that's the bottom line. So. I I just would you know I thank you so much for for reading the book and and posting reviews I truly appreciate it. I I have to have print because I like to have the book to scribble. My eyes are fine, and I got really <laughs> annoyed. And the, the girl that did it apologized, and I just didn't answer her. And I was supposed to post something the other day, and I said, you know what, this review is even better than that one. I'm just not going to do it. I just won't review for them because I felt that that was inappropriate. And the person that runs the tour, she said that they were, I never make mistakes. And she said, oh, my God, you know, you do, you, do you have a visual impairment? What did you say? Friend, you made a mistake. Big deal. And yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah, I actually well, yeah. did delete the review, and I, I deleted it from Amazon, too. I was very proud of myself. So <laughs> why, yeah. why does the title really says it all? deadly wilderness in a lot of different ways. How did you decide that? And it does sort of tell the plot in a sense. Um, you know, uh, gosh, I, I to me it was, well, the park where it starts is, is Frederick Wilderness Park. And it really needed to be a park that would be uh, where there is a lot of wilderness. And that's, I think, that, you know, mm. that park is like 600 acres. And it is kept as a, a, a wilderness park. There's no uh, amenities there other than hiking trails and one little uh, outdoor classroom, some restrooms. Uh, and so it was a perfect place to put a body. It was by pure happenstance that they found it because uh, they fell over the side of that that uh, ravine. And um, so it just... It, uh, you know, obviously uh, it was deadly for uh, Joey Doyle, mm. um, and and then there were some, uh, you know, some other situations that occurred in other San Antonio parks, and so it was just fitting. Uh, it, it really worked, and I uh, thought that it would readers would, would it would catch their eye, and then they would be interested in reading the the back cover copy and you know and one thing leads to the other so you kind of all of those things have to fit together the cover art the title and the back cover copy you just hope that you you have hit the right combination on those you're lucky you had the right publisher and the right cover 
So yeah. actually, you know, I wonder sometimes because people need to know that if you're going into a park, don't go in it late at night and make sure you're with somebody. You don't go Absolutely. by yourself. I mean, they've had they've had problems up here. They've had problems in Central Park everywhere. So common I'm sense sure. tells you, make sure there's somebody yeah. with you. As a matter of fact, go in a group. <laughs> and oh, that, I that agree. Problem. And we, we really encourage that uh, in San Antonio. And actually, the parks are closed from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. I know. Um, here. Um, but people get in anyway. You know, we can't, it's not like we have a fence around most of the parks and there's a gate you can close. So, uh, in general, when we only have so many park police officers, uh, they can't, uh, I think there are, oh gosh, I can't even remember now how many San Antonio parks there are, but there are way more parks than there are park police officers. I know, the only time they closed the Bronx Zoo, which which which, which is where I used to live in the Bronx, Long time ago is because of the heat and the and the oh, wildfires yeah. from Canada last week, which was horrible. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I saw the media coverage of that. Horrible. It was. It was horrible. I looked outside. I couldn't even see outside. Whoever figured that Canada would bring yeah. in the smell. I mean, I literally said to my husband, "We can't even put on the air conditioner because it'll come through it's, the vents." It'll so yeah, it, was, it uh, it in. Yeah, yeah, I wore a mask in the house. So yeah. what will Deborah has to face something. What will she be forced to face? And what's next for Ray and Samuel and Deborah? And I hope you bring in them back again. Just, just a hint. <laughs> it's um, she has to face what happened to her uh, growing yeah. up in order to to cope with her her drinking problem. That's just got to happen uh, in order for her to continue to be a police officer. Um, nobody's going to trust her to have their back uh, if she is um, still drinking. So she's got some yeah. serious work to do before she can um, get back where she was and be be trusted by her peers. Um, and, and Ray has to decide if he's going to uh, continue as a as an uh, officer or if he's going to uh, become pastor. Um, uh, Samuel is uh, Samuel is Samuel. He is a tough guy uh, who loves his family and loves mm-hmm. his job and loves his officers. And he's going to ultimately do the right thing uh, no matter what. It just, uh, he had to deal with some issues of his own in, in the course of the story. And, and I, as I mentioned before, I actually wrote a book that was, um, where he was the main character, uh, unfortunately, it's not, it, it wasn't published. And, and this um, the, uh, Deadly Wilderness was actually the very first book that I published. Um, it, was, it only came out in hardback uh, uh, for libraries, and so I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to, to republish it now uh, with an uh, e-book and, and, and uh, paperback and have those more accessible uh, to to readers that I, I, you know my readership has grown greatly since then and um, I'm just excited that uh, my latest readers are getting the chance to read it um, and um, it, it the next book will be um, it's called No Child of Mine it actually comes out in in July and it is um, it, it's I wouldn't call it, it it's it's a standalone but it has all the same characters in it but it's Deborah's story. Um, and so she will. Oh, nice! Uh, you'll get, yeah, you'll get to see Deborah work her way through the the issues 
um, that she's had and how she uh, confronts them. And uh, I really, uh, it's, uh, it was uh, exciting for me to get to write her story and see how she overcame the, the issues that she faced. Um, and so um, that's, that's uh, no child of mine and it, it, it'll, it'll be out in uh, paperback and ebook as well. Well, that that is great. You got you're lucky. And are you going to do another tour with Partners in Crime for this, or just do this one by yourself? I got to know because you know, um, it's, it it won't be Partners in Crime. They were too close together, and um, mm-hmm. you know, so unfortunately, I'm I'm not going to get to do that. I wish I was, <laughs> um, but it you know, I'm hoping that uh, readers who read uh, A Deadly Wilderness will follow up up with uh, No Child of Mine. I've tried to do my best to get the word out. Well, that would be easy if you send me a copy and tell me when exactly it comes out. I would and be I, happy to do that. When and we I can could talk do that. that I could schedule line. another interview when you tell me after leave a date, and I'll just put it out all over because they tell me I'm really good at this. But so oh, I, some, I, I can tell. <laughs> uh, can it, I send it, you it, an email with that information? Yes, you can, definitely. I mean, it's like... I don't even know how people find me anymore. I just crack up laughing, and now I'm getting things from, from. I'm getting the weirdest emails, and people need to be careful. They're saying Absolutely. if you put your book out on this site, we'll we'll you know promote it and stuff. And somewhere in the fine print, there has to be that they want to promote their services. And yeah, right. I don't right. I don't do any of that. So no. What is what? Where can everybody find out about you? And your work. Um, you can find me at my, on my website uh, kellyirvin.com. It's just my name.com. And uh, I recently uh, updated my website uh, so that because because I write in three genres, uh, mm. and so all of that yeah is uh, there: uh, romantic suspense, uh, women's fiction, and uh, romance. And so uh, I encourage people to to take a peek at my website. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, and um, uh, Instagram, and I just recently started uh, figuring out TikTok. <laughs> so, That's uh, the I'm only there. one I, I, I canceled yeah. that one. I didn't like it. I'm on LinkedIn, yeah, and I'm hard. getting very, and I'm popular, too, on that. Very, people read your stuff on LinkedIn in five minutes. Well, that's interesting. I'll have to look at it. Uh, It's uh, you know, social media can be so time-consuming, so you have to figure out what works best. A lot of it it, for me is what, where's my audience, the demographics, where are they? And and so Mm. uh, that's been an interesting uh, journey in trying to figure out because my romances are Amish romances, and that's all Facebook. Those those ladies are on Facebook. Uh, but romantic suspense, uh, um, you know, I think those are they're more likely to be on Instagram and uh, be out there. Uh, so we, we just kind of have to figure that out. <laughs> uh, well, but, go on, uh, I'm on they're... Pinterest, and I find they're fantastic. They're always complimenting yeah, I have, me. I have Pinterest. I have Pinterest, too. So I, I like Pinterest because I can put you. my book covers on it and my books yeah. and author's stuff and author's pages and stuff, and then they remind yeah. me you haven't whatever. Yeah, you you just don't even know. But uh, TikTok, for some reason, I wasn't crazy about it at all. And yeah. What can I say? Yeah. Well, but, you have you have to 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 really pick through and find the things that interest you, so the algorithm will only send you things that you're interested in. But there's a lot tell of tell me about yucky it. Stuff. 
But for those of you that haven't read my new book, please read author read accusations. It's told from the point of view of the dead person that was wrongly accused from the kind of the gravestone. And those people that boy whose voices were silenced. And five of the stories are true. They really happened. So wow. for those of you like like true horror, that's it. But thank you so much. Kelly, I hope you have good weather out there because I've been watching the Weather Channel and Texas doesn't look too great at times. It's extremely hot. <laughs> extremely hot. Yeah, I know. And I get worried about when I watch the tornadoes blowing up, I go, oh, my about God. Those, yeah. But thank you so much. Thank you for day. having me. I appreciate it. You too. Take care. Everybody have a great day and bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.